This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. The curious case of Cater on the eve of the opening of the transfer window. We're here with the agenda on Blood Red to debate Naby Cater's Liverpool future. Two years out from the end of his Liverpool contract, could he move on this summer? Or how do the Reds find a way of unlocking the club's third most expensive signing of all time? I'm Guy Clark, our Blood Red writer. Matt Addison is here with me. And to start with, Matt, I suppose, are we reaching or are we already at a uh, stick or twist crossroads with Naby Cater? I think we are. I think we've approached it this summer. Um, he's not one of the names that we understand at the Echo is on that list of potentially getting a new contract anytime soon. So I think there's, there's other priorities in terms of, of keeping players at Liverpool. And when you think that he's only got two years left on his contract, you do wonder which way do Liverpool go next with this. I mean, there is the, the possibility, of course, that they don't give him a new contract, but they do keep him for the next two years and let him go on a free transfer potentially. But as you say, the, the third most expensive signing of all time, £52.75 million it was that they paid uh, for him to, to get him out of Leipzig. It, it would kind of feel a little bit of a strange one to, to let that happen. But we know that the reasons why it's not quite worked for him up to this point. But I think there's always that question with Naby Keita of if it clicks and, and if you keep him and if things go well, he could become a brilliant player. I think he is a perfect midfielder for Jurgen Klopp. And I suppose that's the question, isn't it? Do you keep him, even though the evidence isn't there that he can get on the pitch? Or do you let him go and, and take the risk that possibly if he moves away and, and next season his injury troubles do just click and, and he does get back to to being the player that he was at Leipzig, suddenly then Liverpool would regret that. So I think it's it's really in the balance. But as you say, we are very much approaching now a time where Liverpool have to, to make a decision one way or the other. To me, I think they have to, to be ruthless th- this summer, but you can't be ruthless with every player that's on the fringes. You have to keep some of them. And that's the, the kind of debate that I think will be going on internally at Liverpool now. And he, he, of course, arrived with so much fanfare because of the wait for him to, to become a Liverpool player. But three years into his Liverpool career, and so often when we debate and talk about Naby Keita, we're talking about him not being involved or fantasising over what he could offer and could deliver. He's 26 now. I suppose over those last three years now, we've slowly but surely actually seen a depreciation not only in his value, but maybe even in his talents. And you say there, if his injury record can improve, we know what he can offer. I'd sort of question maybe if if that player is still in there and actually that Liverpool are hanging on to a player here in, in thinking he's got this ability within. Because, for example, he came in in the Fulham game, didn't he, during Liverpool's run of poor results. And it was hoped this could be the game, this could be the player to unlock stubborn defences. And even in that game, there was precious little that was offered up. Yeah, well, it was the the same for Real Madrid as well. He came in for that one. Jurgen Klopp explained afterwards that he'd been world-class in training. He'd been doing all of the right things, everything that Klopp and his coaching staff wanted. But then you put him into that match scenario and it just didn't quite happen for him. So it is a really strange one. I mean, the, the talent is very much there. But I think it's one of those that you won't quite really understand the player that he is until he plays a full season or if he ever can play a full season and you get to see him get into rhythm, get into form and, and maybe play himself into being the player that he once was. I mean, it's a really strange one in terms of, of the injuries. I mean, at, at Leipzig, he didn't really have too many problems. He was playing regularly. It was obviously still a 
very fast, intense league, the Bundesliga. It's not hugely different to the Premier League. I think the Premier League is another step up physically, but not enough that you would think that these injuries would be caused by that. So it's a real conundrum to work out why it is. I mean, we've seen plenty of players move from Germany to, to England before and, and not have this problem. It's not like there's sort of a, a precedent for that being the case. And you only have to, to look at the number of minutes that he's played. I mean, he played under 700 minutes last season for Liverpool in all. He only started nine matches in the entirety of the season. And I mean, you only have to, to compare him to, to Gini Wijnaldum, who is probably a player that Cater himself would look at and think, well, he's moved on. Maybe I can be the replacement. I mean, Wijnaldum played more than 3,600 minutes for each of the last four seasons for Liverpool. So, the numbers just don't even compare between them in terms of, of getting them on the pitch. But I think the interesting thing is that if you actually look at, at the small sample size, admittedly, of, of Keita, but when he is on the pitch, his actual statistics in terms of ball progression, winning the ball back, his pressing, all of those things are, are better than Gini Wijnaldum. But of course, that's just completely irrelevant. If you can't get him on the pitch, it just doesn't really matter. Yeah, and Jurgen Klopp does often turn to him at big times, as you say, the Real Madrid game away in the Champions League. In fact, since getting dragged off in that game before half-time, he's, he's not featured for Liverpool. wasn't even in the squad for any of the last five Premier League matches of the season either. And when you look at that list of players that Liverpool have signed and spent big money on, certainly since FSG came into the club and that really being when Liverpool have unlocked any sort of transfer war chests they may have had. But the only two more expensive players have been Virgil van Dijk and Alisson Becker in and around Naby Keita. Then you've got Diogo Jota, who of course arrived last season and already has started repaying his fee from Wolverhampton Wanderers. Mohamed Salah and Fabinho as well. It is fair, I suppose, to say that there was a lot of expectation but it has ultimately also been a frustrating time, both for the player and supporters. As you say, people keen to get behind Naby Keita when he does get a run of games, but that frustration of not quite being able to count on him enough to, to be out there. Yeah, I think it's it's still correct that he's not started more than three Premier League games in a row for Liverpool in his entire career. And as you say, to, to pay that sort of money, Liverpool must have been convinced that he was you know, a game-changing player. We've seen sort of Van Dijk described as a, a transformational signing. And I think that was the idea with Naby Keita, obviously further up the pitch, does everything that you need from a Jurgen Klopp midfielder. He's got that creativity and flair, but he's got that defensive side as well. And that's what Liverpool fans were, were sold really during those 12 months that they had to wait to see him. They've obviously seen on YouTube, they, they saw, you know, highlights and, and things like that of him playing in Germany. And that's what you saw. You saw a player who was able to, to carry the ball, who was able to play through balls. And we have seen it at times at Liverpool, but that's the frustration is that you know that his ceiling is incredibly high. He is a perfect player to play in this Liverpool team the way that Jurgen Klopp wants to play. And I think the idea probably would have been for, for him to come in and, and move Gini Wijnaldum out of the team when he came in. Obviously, that could happen this summer, but it's just not happened for him over the last three seasons that he's been here. And I think that's it, isn't it? It's it's a long enough sample size now to think that this isn't going to change. If you said to me that, you know, he only started, you know, nine, ten games next season, that wouldn't exactly be a huge surprise. So it's a really tough quandary, I think, for, for Liverpool to weigh up because you look at it and he's got everything you need. He's got all of the talent, but as I said before, there's just not really any point if you can't get him on the pitch regularly. Even if you said once a week, you know, he doesn't have to start every single game. Even if you could guarantee, you know, that he could start two or three games a month, that would be, you know, a really worthwhile thing to, to keep him at the club. But 
you just can't you can't afford to, to do that. I don't think, particularly with Juan Alden moving on, you look at the other players, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, okay, he's not been injured, but he's not really been trusted, particularly by Jurgen Klopp over the last couple of seasons. Certain Shakiri's played in midfield at times, he could well move on. There's interest, I think, from from Italy at the moment in him. There's just sort of a few question marks in there. And okay, you can maybe afford to carry one or two players in that position, but when you've got three or four players who either will move on or possibly wouldn't be able to play particularly often next year. I think that's a real concern in terms of, of replacing one album because that's the, the trait, isn't it, that you need from from whoever comes in, whether it's a like for like, whether it's somebody slightly different. The one thing that you do have to have is somebody that's going to come in and, and be able to play 50 games because essentially that's what Genie Wijnaldum has done for, for the last two or three seasons consecutively. The Agenda on the Blood Red Channel. He was sort of, uh, I suppose, the the dream signing, wasn't he, for Liverpool, Naby Keita? He was a pressing monster in the midfield. He was creative. He could get around the pitch as well. But unfortunately, the engine to be the engine for Liverpool, quite frankly, hasn't quite been up to it and has broken down on a number of occasions. And so that leads us then to two years on from the uh, end of his contract then, or two years out from the end of his contract, I should say. The fact that, I suppose, this summer, Liverpool would listen to offers. It wouldn't just be a straight no to anything that came their way, albeit, of course, they've got a near on £53 million fee to try and recoup somehow. I'm sure they're not going to try and get the full feedback, but say even a £30 million bid, Matt, it would have to be considered, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd say even less than that, to be honest. I think if you got half of, of the 52 that that you paid for him, I think that would be a decent fee when you look at his contract situation, the amount of, of minutes that he's played. I mean, there has been a few links with him. I know Atletico Madrid have been linked with him and Sal Niguez could move on from there, possibly. You know, is that a move there? Possibly. Leicester City have been linked with him as well, but I think they've just signed Bubakare Sumare from Lille. Would you think that they'd go for, for another central midfielder? Probably not. I mean, that's the thing. I think as much as we can sit here and say, well, 25, 30 million, yeah, 100%, I would take that, I think. Um, who is going to put that money down on him? Who's going to put the, the money forward? Because... As much as we know he's a talented player, you have to imagine that wherever he goes next, he'd have the same sort of injury problems as, as what he's had. So, yeah, again, it's a, it's a tough one. I think if the price was was right for Liverpool, certainly they would think about it. But it's just a case of trying to find, really, a, a team that would be capable and, and willing of, of putting that sort of money down. I think possibly one way around it would be a kind of, of swap deal type thing. I mean, we don't see that a huge amount, but I know last summer... When we were were in the office, uh, or before last summer, wasn't it? We had a sort Not of conversation. Yeah, when when <laughs> Liverpool were, were sort of starting to to be linked with Timo Werner, somebody in the office said, "Well, what do you think? Would you sort of put Naby Keita in in a deal for for Timo Werner?" And I kind of thought, "Well, well, no, not really, because you know I'm still sort of hopeful that that obviously Keita could." do something. I thought Liverpool at that, at that time, if they were to get Timo Werner, they'd be able to, to pay that transfer fee. Obviously, that didn't quite happen and he's obviously moved to, to Chelsea. But at the time, everyone was excited about Timo Werner. But even then, I wouldn't have sacrificed Naby Keita to, to bring him in. So, yeah, a, a year on, it's it's just sort of another season that's been similar to his first two. He's now had three consecutive ones where he's not really played a great deal. Yeah, I think you'd, you'd struggle to find anybody willing to put twenty-five million down for him. But is there a swap deal in there? Possibly. Maybe you could tempt someone on, on that sort of grounds. But again, obviously, that's that's a very rare thing to to do in the transfer market, and it would have to be 
a club where Liverpool were were keen on a particular player and obviously that club would then have to be keen on Naby Keita. A lot of things would have to, to fall into place for that to be the case. Yeah, a lot of ifs, isn't there, involved in that and a lot of different permutations that would all have to line up and, and fit for both parties. But I suppose then for Liverpool, it's maybe the first real time under Michael Edwards' role in that sporting director position that they found themselves in this kind of position that they've picked a player out on the data, they've watched him, they've seen everything that he had to offer was ideal for Liverpool. Unfortunately, the mechanics of it, obviously these aren't robots, they are human beings, and unfortunately it hasn't quite worked out for him. But they've been brave before in the transfer market and sold players, maybe against popular opinion. This time it might be against their model of wanting to turn a profit on players, but it may well be the necessity to evolve and move the squad on. Yeah, to be honest, I wouldn't necessarily even say that they've got it wrong on Keita. I think they've got it right. They just couldn't have foreseen that the injuries would take place. I think if he wasn't injury prone and he wasn't always on the treatment table, then Liverpool would have a player that was worth the 52 million that they spent on him. I don't think they identified the wrong player because there wasn't really any evidence that he would be quite as injury prone as, as what he has been. So that's the the strange thing. And yeah, as much as we sort of praise Liverpool's recruitment and, and that sort of thing, there are certain things that you just can't predict. And I don't think, you know, this was something that, that anybody would have seen coming. I think when Liverpool moved for him, there was all the teams interested in him as well. Liverpool obviously got to, to the front of the queue. They used uh, their sort of contacts with within the Red Bull group and, and stuff like that to, to get on top of this and, and sign this player. And everyone was, was rightly excited about it. But yeah, we've said it one or two times. If you can't get him on the pitch, there's just no point. But I just, I don't think it was Liverpool's fault necessarily that they couldn't have foreseen that because I don't think anybody could. I think I'm right in saying it. at Leipzig, he was you know, playing sort of 30 plus games in the league each season. He wasn't injury prone. He didn't pick up these injuries. And that's the, the sort of thing that you'll look back on and, and wonder quite what's happened, uh, whether it's, you know, just a a change of intensity, a change in his training programme, whatever it is, they've not been been able to, to get to the bottom of it so far. And it's just a, a real strange one. It, it could just be, you know, unfortunate. It could be unlucky. Uh, there could be something more underlying that, that we don't know about that, that's forcing these injuries. But whichever way it is, I think it would be pretty harsh to, to criticise Michael Edwards and, and the recruitment staff because I think they got the right player. It's just not happened, unfortunately. Yeah, circumstances has played against them. In terms of it, then two years away from the expiry of his new contract, I suppose he, he wouldn't command maybe the terms that he's on right now, having arrived as the third most expensive signing in the club's history. But do Liverpool, I suppose it is, we, we said at the top, they're at a crossroads. It, it is maybe a bit of a gamble. Try and see if one last time, a fourth season, he can get it right. And all of a sudden you do unlock the player that we all know is within. Or do they try and claw back what fee they can and find maybe a younger player to to fit into that midfield? I think for me, it would come down to, to what offers were on the table. I think if you got 25 plus million on the table, I think you take it. If you get less than that, probably you just leave it, leave it another season, see how things are, see if that is uh, you know a change of fortune uh, or, or sort of certainly in terms of, of the injuries and, and that sort of thing. If they were to subside over the next 12 months, then give him those 12 months essentially to prove himself and, and you can offer new terms next summer if you need to. So I think for, for me, it purely comes down to, to if a, a big enough offer, a tempting enough offer comes in, 100% you take it. But if not, I wouldn't be in a rush to, to sell him any cheaper than, than 25 million. I think that would be 
a fair price, a fair sort of gamble for, for someone somewhere to take. But uh, yeah, otherwise it, it's a case of bringing in less money and, and having to replace him because as much as he's obviously not played a huge amount, you would still have to, to have that extra body come in. Obviously having uh, Gino and Alden departed as well, I think you, you would need certainly one player who would play every week to come in if both of them were to leave in one summer. So, yeah, I think it, it would be one of those that I don't think Liverpool are, are desperate. I don't think Liverpool should be desperate to, to get rid of him just yet. That could happen next summer with a, a year left on his contract. Then you would accept a, a cut price move. But I think for, for this summer, unless a pretty decent offer comes in, I'd be tempted just to, to keep him, let him do what he's been doing and, and just say to him, look, you've got 12 months and if you don't do anything in the next 12 months, if it doesn't quite work for you, then... Unfortunately, we're going to have to part ways, but I think he, he's young enough that you can give him that extra 12 months. And I think there's going to be enough exits this summer, enough people in the squad that you probably don't want to add another unnecessary name to that list. Yeah, well, of course, the transfer window does open tomorrow. Of course, Liverpool having already wrapped up a deal for Ibrahima Kanate from RB Leipzig. Who else will be coming in? Who will be going? Will Naby Keita be one of those to be heading for the exit door at Anfield? We will have to wait and see. But don't forget, you will be able to follow it all across on the Liverpool Echo website as well as here on Blood Red. I've been Guy Clark, Madison alongside me. Thanks for joining us here on the agenda. Until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.